Cast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow us on the web at nomcastpod.com. All right, folks, what a treat we have for you this week. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with the incredibly talented and very personable Lori Rose. Uh, Lori is a gifted and hardworking cinematographer who is known for his work on some insanely fun genre fare, like one of my personal favorites, 2018's Overlord or 2019's Pet Cemetery. Uh, he's also had several collaborations he has done with director Ben Wheatley, such as Free Fire, High Rise, or the latest Netflix original movie, Rebecca. I had a great time talking to Lori about his process as a cinematographer, his relationship with Ben Wheatley, their game plan for the look and feel of Rebecca, whether Hitchcock's version had any influence on the new film, uh, the difference between shooting for Netflix versus theatrical, and of course, how are his baking skills uh, these days? It'll all make sense, I swear, in the interview. Uh, We will bring you that conversation in just a moment, but first a word from our friends at Forgotten Entertainment. Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, welcome back. So excited for you all to hear my conversation with Lori Rose. But first, I encourage everyone to follow our guest today on Twitter at Lori underscore Rose. It's L-A-U-R-I-E underscore Rose. And simply put, just watch this man's work. He's so good. He has four movies out this year alone. Uh, Rebecca, Archive, Summerland, and out on Friday the 13th of November... Uh, the Blumhouse horror comedy Freaky hits theaters. So check those out. Follow him on social media so you don't miss anything coming out for next year and beyond. Also, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, The Nomcast, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. All right, let's get to it. Here it is, my conversation with cinematographer Lori Rose. Give a listen. I'm delighted to be joined by cinematographer Lori Rose. Thank you for taking the time with us. Not at all. It's a joy. Thank you. I uh, I know <laughs> that uh, I read a previous interview with you where you don't even 
like the word cinematographer for yourself. I know that interview is quite a while for you, but uh, I don't know if that still is a bugaboo for you. I know you're even like director of photography, maybe, but I'm kind of a cameraman. Do you still feel that well, way? That, that was, uh, I remember that interview. It was quite a long time ago. It was quite a long time ago. Um, I, I've kind of got used to it now. Now you've just brought it up. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'll go back to not being so comfortable with it. Um, I, um, I, yeah, I mean, that, the kind of title of director of photography was always, um, always sounded grander than I ever felt, I think. And, uh, and but I've, I'm kind of comfortable with it now. And that kind of idea of um, cinematographer, I think, really speaks to it because, um, because, you know, that's, I guess that's kind of what I do. And so I don't feel, <laughs> I feel far more at home with it, put it that way. Yes, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, however you define yourself, it's definitely not a bad day at the office for me when you have to catch up with your film resume. And uh, it's quite an awesome feeling to shirk my lesser responsibilities to watch Nazi super soldiers get blown to bits, for instance. Uh, that's always fun. Uh, Overlord is an impressive movie, by the way. That's always one that I like Thank to you. revisit. Um, yes. I mean, yes, it's uh, well, I like to do lots of different things. And that was that was well, that was kind of uh, that. That wasn't in. That was kind of by accident. The fact that I uh, was helping Fabian out, but um, um, uh, that was uh, yeah. I mean, I, who doesn't like range in their work? You know. Well, you definitely have it. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I personally love uh, DPs and cinematographers who have a certain sense of style to their work, almost like a philosophy in terms of like composition and lighting that makes their work unique. I think of like Roger Deakins or Conrad Hall as like examples of people who definitely make their stamp on the films they work on i feel like you have a lot of stylization in your work do you have a certain philosophy or methodology to your approach i often think about that because i guess that that that, that is a question that people ask of cinematographers or but i, but I genuinely think it's kind of for other people to tell to tell me <laughs> because i kind of do what i do and i don't think of it as oh no this is what i would usually do in this situation it's more I think it really does come down to style comes down to instinct and and is less about thinking about it really or about imposing anything I think that's and I think hopefully you know having listened to Roger quite a lot is that is that his 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 style the paramount the paramount aim of his style is to not necessarily impose anything onto the story he's trying to tell the story and it just so happens that his instincts um go that way but they don't necessarily the idea is that you don't get in the way you know you're you're tr- you're using what you know and your instincts and obviously planning i mean when uh, it, it's not all entirely made up um, <laughs> on the day yeah. but you do plan these things and you you know i, I like to use references and and I, whilst i don't like to copy or ape people you know there's a lot of really really incredible work and uh, that's come be- before me you know that i will never uh, I can only dream of, a, a, of of attaining, and I don't want to copy that. But what I do want to do is take those the, those ideas and those uh, the techniques and take those things, and hopefully kind of build them in or make them part of what I do. So those so then my instincts become what I what I put out. You know, part of my creativity wrapped around the technology. Um, that that's my style. 
right. you know, and how that comes out kind of then is the, then it either serves the story uh, uh, well or not. Or, but then that's you know that that's my my that I guess that's what people recognise as my style. I think there's things in particular that I definitely feel good at. Uh, things like handheld and that kind of observational um, aspect um, of operating. So just really uh, being really immersive and being a camera and a witness to what's going on. And then that, uh, and I love that and I enjoy that. And I feel like that's a very strong aspect of what I do. But as for style, I genuinely think it's kind of something that somebody else needs to say, oh, I recognise that as being some of Laurie's work. But for me, I'm I'm not imposing that. It's just kind of it's what comes out. <laughs> for sure. Uh, do you find that what you do, like your version of the work, is an active and participatory part of the storytelling in any way? Well, I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it just it depends really on 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 the relationships that I've got with the creatives around me. I think that, that you know the best of times are when it's um the is when the collaboration is is you know is all encompassing and everybody is involved and everybody has got a valid input in that. Um uh, and then it's about what the director wants and every director is different. You know some people um are happy to kind of push all of all of image making and all of lighting and all of um, the kind of uh, composition and they they want to push that all towards you um, and just they just want to concentrate on performance or or or, um, um, or their own performance um, but then and and then it's everything from that and up until when the people just uh, tell you almost tell you what to do you know because then so and and then you get everything in between that so that about the balance of what people require from you as a as a cinematographer is always very different and i love that you know when you sort of have to find that balance of requirement and um and how much uh, you need to offer or or um um and that that i love that i love that being different all the time and and kind of navigating that and trying to supply as much as you can um but also just trying to realise what somebody expl- is explaining you that, that, that they want. You know, that's it, solving those kind of problems. It's not, I'm, I don't set out to make my film. I'm there to, to kind of realise uh, the script and, and, what, and try and get onto, into a camera what the director is imagining. And so, and that sort of has all sorts of elements like what springs out of the script for me um at, at, but ultimately it's what the director wants so so yeah that collaboration is uh and, and how the balance of that was always kind of nebulous and shifting i love entering into it into that you uh you mentioned relationships uh one of your longest ones is of course with director ben wheatley who you've worked with many times over the years uh since his first feature over 10 years ago what is that relationship like and how does it help when preparing for a production well <laughs> It's again. It kind of comes back to 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 a lot of a, an awful lot of instinct, and I think that we've done. You know, we started out uh, to, uh, uh, pretty much at the same level together, so we were learning from the very off. And uh, I mean, Ben had shot some um, some scripted comedy, uh, actually for, uh, quite a lot of scripted comedy up until that point. But I really hadn't done anything scripted, and uh, and so as uh, what I did is brought what I knew, which was uh, a fair amount of observational um, working and um, and and being very self sufficient 
um, as a as a camera person, you know, having to light and focus pull and do do all of that myself. So it kind of really suited to 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 working on a very low budget in a very short time frame. But so that was our starting point, and then from then on, it was we were just having fun and just kind of <laughs> learning between us, you know. And uh, uh, and so we none of it was bringing any preconceived ideas about how you really should go about doing these things. So, so right. it was kind of anarchic in that sense, and I think that that was great. And we were, but we were both learning. Ben continued to to shoot commercials, and and I kind of went back to our, my day job. And but uh, but gradually, I started to get work separately from Ben doing my own. You know, I went off and did did some scripted comedy work for a while, a long while for TV, and then I started getting other jobs and doing films with other people. Um, and so I was learning, and I was getting gaining confidence and growing in scale with lots of things but then Ben and I would come back together and so then we would sort of that was all part of our process of kind of coming away and learning and coming back and so it all added to the relationship I think and um uh, and Rebecca really is it is obviously is the most recent coming back together I'd done, obviously done those bigger studio pictures and um just before it Ben had done some episodic American TV um so you know it's when you're you're learning those styles and how the how how, just kind of how the studio system works and how uh, working with other people's scripts works and uh, you know and so it's all we're all gathering lots of information and lots of experience separately but then kind of bringing that together and that makes um you know hopefully then it's you've got even more elements that that go towards making a project for sure. I, I would imagine your latest film together, uh, Rebecca, that you just mentioned, is the largest budget production that you've probably worked on together, I imagine. Yeah, for it's the largest one. Sorry, the largest one together. Absolutely. Yeah. How does that affect uh, how you prepare? Does the scale of a project make a considerable difference? It's interesting when you thinking about the idea of budget. I mean, it was the biggest budget that we'd had together. Um, and we've kind of been going incre- incrementally getting bigger and bigger. And that's always obviously opened up, not necessarily ambitions, because we've always had quite high ambitions. But obviously, those ambitions have always been tempered to a degree by the amount of time and money you've got. So we've always tried to stretch that as much as possible. But we're b- being very conscious of it. So then you're into real filmmaking where you have to solve these problems to maintain your ambition. You have to find ways of doing it that are not super expensive. Um, we felt that we were coming into a project, you know, with a, with the backing of Working Title, which was just fantastic, and obviously their legacy of of uh, of, of British film and uh, and particularly period film, you know, with a fantastic um, uh, production designer who had done, you know, multi Oscar nominated, uh, has worked on some of the most amazing um, uh, period films in the past. 15 20 years really so from atonement to the darkest hour so we knew that the that what we were inheriting was was really quite something you know we we knew we we were not that was not going to be a problem and what we what so but but in 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 fact uh, the way that we prepped was no different to how we would usually prep you know we would still try to kind of uh, to expand our ambition um almost cautiously you know can we afford to do that yes okay great we can afford yeah brilliant <laughs> well, let's do that and you know you kind of you expand to fit the space that you're in it's slightly reptilian but you kind of you know that and that's great and that when you're being wrapped in this beautiful uh, universe that's being created around us 
then and actually then it's kind of Ben and I with our very uh, one-on-one relationship is actually we get to prowl around inside this universe which we we really first experienced on high rise because um working with mark tildesley because he wrapped he wrapped us in a universe that was of you know it was straight from 1975 when the, when the the book is set and 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 then we could just prowl around in it you know and right. make it our own so we actually we were kind of making our own uh, making a weekly film wrapped in the 1930s so you know and with beautiful costumes from julian day and uh, with Sarah and her team's um, amazing locations and uh, and the beautiful design, you know, you can't. All I did was just shoot it. You know, you can't go wrong. You know, it's a, it's a it's a real gift. For sure. I mean, I I kind of want to just dive in a little bit more on terms of Rebecca itself is such a a known property, such a legendary source material. No matter whether you reference in the book or the Hitchcock version or any of its adaptations. What were the conversations like in preparing this one in particular in terms of like look and feel of the film? I know you're just saying you're kind of uh, just, you know, just shoot anywhere and you're, you're going to aim for something. <laughs> well, but I'm sure there was a, a larger thing to that, especially because I know it's been kind of pitched in the press that this is not a Hitchcock remake, that it's, you know, maybe more dedicated uh, to the novel than than what has been already put on screen. So, how did that contrast and compare, and um, how did that conversation go about? Well, it was always um, we we it, you know from from the off, it really was uh, you know it, it, we were setting out to not we were not remaking the film, you know, to 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 go anywhere near the film uh, and to even reference it. Um, you know, it was not a shot-for-shot shot remake. It was, it was never the plan. It really was a readaptation of the book, and the, the source material is just fantastic. Uh, Dumouriez's writing uh, has always fascinated me. Um, I love it very much. Uh, we kind of Ben, ben had split it into three into three acts, uh, and so we were very conscious of of um of the some summer holiday romance at the very beginning and then it kind of moved into coming back to the UK when it was it had a uh, a, a um a kind of a gothic thriller element to it and then it moved into more of a uh, um a kind of a detective story thriller element towards the end so there was these kind of three distinct um uh, feels and then actually we just that was a lot of that was then led by where we where we would end up you know, we were in very beautiful locations in the south of France, and so that lent itself to to lots of beautiful sun and lots of um, sunny fill light and and a, and a certain glow, a dreaminess to that. Um, and then we moved into what hope we hoped was going to be a danker, uh, very verdant green. Um, uh, coming back to the UK, you know, to contrast to the real summer holiday in the south of France. And then move into a kind of a darker, dramatic um, uh, rising in power for the new Mrs. De Winter. Um, so, you know, that was the kind of journey for that. So we, uh, and that was in the script, you know, that's that's our source material. We were not looking at the film and we weren't looking necessarily at the book. We were working directly with the script and you kind of have to rely on the writing to, to give you what you need um, for that so we you know it was it, it was not a remake it was not the Hitchcock film I mean how do you compare a compete how do you you know there's just no question of that and I don't think it was so it was never it was uh it, it, it 
you know, I think that, that idea of a remake is kind of, there's a bit of an arrogance to that. Why would you want to remake something <laughs> if you weren't going to, you know, so if somebody if somebody thinks that you're making a remake, well, I just wouldn't, that would be a weird thing to do because it's like you feel like we, we can do a better job. It's really not that. I think it's, you know, but, but having said that, it's an 80-year-old film. Sure. That's the, this this year, the original Rebecca, uh, and and that doesn't mean that it's a bad film. It just means that actually, I think that the the, the source material is, um, you know, dis, it, there's a chance to do something new with it, and I think that that's what we tried to do. The fact that it was sort of there was a, a slant in terms of the agency that I think that um, the the character that Lily James played, and I think she did an, a, um, some amazing work. You know, it was a it was a kind of a deep dive into a lot more darker material, which I think was um, that might not that didn't really come out in the nineteen forties uh, film. Um, and so, yeah, it was a chance to do something else with with really great material. So it is a reinterpretation of the material, and a, um, and it really definitely is not an any attempt a way of remaking the Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, a tough sled for you, especially because it was such an award winner in terms of cinematography mm. back then. That to to add to the the expectations or the 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 project that you're working on. I mean, that would just add to that for sure. Um, was there any kind of conscious thought, given the fact that it wasn't a remake in your eyes, to how the film opens because it kind of does emulate that Mandalay uh, Mandalay opening uh, from the first film. Sure, I mean you can't, what you can't get away from is the material. You know, the material is is that uh, there are natural um, um, similarities. You know, we weren't the readaptation was not a modernization of it. It wasn't a it wasn't in a different set in a different time. It still has to have. Um, uh, the elements that are in the book and are in the writing. Sure. So yes, of course, there's going to be similarities, but it was not. You know, it still had to have a house. It still had to have Mandalay <laughs> and it. Um, yeah. Um, and so those things were bound to to turn up. So, but it, it was our version, you know. And I think that that it was. Uh, in fact, the Mandalay house was. Uh, and again, this is down to Sarah Greenwood and her locations team was actually a kind of a Frankenstein of about six houses, I think. And that whilst that was tough in our schedule because it meant that we had to we had a lot of places to be, um we uh, I think what it serves is it gives you this um this this house that doesn't have any edges. You you you, you I think the the viewer gets lost in it. You don't know where you could be, you know, and this kind of building is endless and you go from one room, walk out of one room into a completely different place. And and part of that, I, the idea of that is the disconcerting feeling that, that, um, that the new Mrs. De Winter um, would have. And we kind of along, uh, we're, we're along for that journey with her. It, I do there's a one fact that I know about uh, uh, just that kind of visual trick that they use in the Hitchcock film is that all the all the interior sets were built with very big doors, and if you if you notice all the door handles are all kind of almost at head height, <laughs> yes. so that the idea is to give you that sense that of this imposing, overwhelming scale of house mm. because it makes her look like she's really teeny tiny. For sure. Because you kind of have to reach up for these door handles. So it's like she's a kind of a, a child. <laughs> so that that we, we kind of did that, but in a in a nice subtle way in that you just had this endless house. You know, there were endless and some bits were enormous and some were tiny and some were secret. And 
Um, and I, I loved that. You know, so yeah, there's going to be similarities, but because um, it's the same, it's largely the same story. But it's, um, we, I, th- I think we, it's like using referencing. You know, we could have, I could have watched the film and I could have used lots of shots out of that and they would only ever be in homage to that. They would be in a loving way. They wouldn't be because I don't have any, we don't have any ideas. Right. They would be an, an, an homage. And I think if we ever did do that, if there is anything, similarities in any similarities to what we did um and that's sort of how i feel about reference like i said before is that you don't when i use reference it's not because i'm going oh i love this shot i'm going to do this shot it's because i kind of love what they achieved and you never you know you might have a whole pile of you know folders and folders of of just a beautiful amazing references whether you're using paintings or or um or other films or photo photography but what I love is that you that all of that stuff kind of embeds and you you soak it up and then and then you make your own version of that. And I think that that if if we were going to do anything, it would be it would be a loving reference, but then filtered through Ben and filtered through me and uh, and through the design, you know. And it can't help to, to it can't help to happen to for that interpretation. But then you get what you you know. Then the results. Are but kind of uh, come from us, you know. It's not. It's not that we're in between that reference and that um, the stuff that came before, and so hopefully that's what gives it its flavour. Um, again, but somebody else needs to tell us that. It's, <laughs> yes. it's less about us imposing that style or that. Um, you know, we're going to make this a Laurie Rose film. You know, I don't even know what that means. I think it's it it becomes connected to me because I've um, had a. I've been part of that process. For sure. That was a very long, <laughs> long waffly answer. But No, it was beautiful. I appreciate it. That's a lot of detail for <laughs> us and my audience, so I appreciate that. Um, most of your work, if not all, up until Rebecca has been made for theatrical exhibition in mind. Do you have a process change for doing a Netflix original film? Is there anything on set that has to change camera wise or anything of that not at all no it's uh, i i've i've done some some tv work and some kind of episodic stuff but really not very much um but there really isn't anything different to how i approach that at all i mean it's it the the impact it does have usually is that you you kind of get less time with tv um but you don't necessarily get less money (laughs) <laughs> right, and I think that that you know actually the budgets in TV these days are are, are probably far more than you would get say in an indie film. Um, so it's it really has the strength of that of of, of the big uh, co-producing streamers. I think is has reignite you know has turned to the TV industry into a, a hugely exciting uh, a beast. You know, there's the the amount of investment and the writing that's involved and. The level of talent and um, is just you know it's stratospheric. It's amazing, and so to, there's no uh, being involved in that kind of project is a is a real thrill. It's not um, it, it's not a, it's not like a, there's no good and bad. It's just it's a real throws up all sorts of opportunities in terms of that ambition and the ambition and scale. So yeah, I, 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 there was no difference for me. Um, although this was obviously was a one-off, it was a it was an original movie. It was not a series. Um, it was not a, um, a season, as it were. But I think it still goes for the same. You know, it's still the the level of commitment that we got from Netflix and the level of uh, of budget. You know, is that that there was no limp. There was um, uh, 
it didn't feel like we were hemmed in particularly you know we 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 really got to um to play and to kind of to 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 dream up some stuff and to maintain some ambition so so yeah i didn't uh, i didn't change what i did i mean the uh the in terms of the camera uh, technically you know we 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 were very lucky to um to to have the uh, the wherewithal to shoot on Alexa 65, which um, was a new system to me, um, a, a new f- uh, sensor format. But I, I've, I've worked with Alexa's, Ari Alexa's for for uh, some years now, and that's a system that I love. But the 65 was a was a huge, is an enormous, great sensor. It's very cinematic, um, and I think that that really aids the, the sense of. Um, you know, having shot theatrical films, I want things to feel theatrical and to feel cinematic, and that's that's that to be able to then transfer that into a kind of a TV realm. Um, you know, we, that that's what we wanted to for, to make it stand out from perhaps from TV. Um, uh, you know, I think it's a fine line. There's no, there's really no difference in it these days. But um, but for it to stand out in a world where there's lots and lots of content, I think to keep it that widescreen format and to feel grand and cinematic and uh, and that comes down to uh, to the way the camera moves and the length, you know, the just the scale of shot and composition, all sorts of things. There's lots of lots lots of stuff involved, but but no. So to answer your question, <laughs> the difference between between theatrical and then shooting for a streamer is not for me is absolutely no different at all it's um it's just as exciting excellent um i want to end on something fun because i know i i've kept you long enough um i read an interview where you said i sometimes imagine what i'd like to do if this all stopped uh we recently obviously are coming out of quarantine where a lot of things did just stop um and you said that you'd be maybe a baker uh, so in quarantine, how's your baking skills coming? Uh, did you learn how to make bread like everyone else seemed to? Or no? Well, I don't. I, well, that's a, it's a good question. I did do a lot of cooking, but I didn't. Um, I don't eat bread, so I don't. I, 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 I so baking bread was not on my list. <laughs> but I did. Um, what did I? Um, my well, I got a keto recipe book for um for for christmas last year and so i I gradually worked my way through that much to uh my kids um upset but we (laughs) but yeah we um but yeah i did a lot i I like to cook when i'm at home um but 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 baking i didn't do that not not no bread sadly no bread bread's no good for bread's no good I love bread. I miss bread a lot, but I don't eat it anymore. <laughs> well, I hear you. I'm actually, I'm actually doing keto myself, and I have young kids, well, and go. it's an odd uh, mix of things. My, <laughs> my kids are also vegetarian too, so we'll throw that into the mix and everything else. So wow, yeah. So keto vegetarian. We we were trying keto vegan for a while. And that's really tough. Oh yeah, that's really tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm on an island in this house. Luckily, here in the U.S., there's plenty of things to choose from. So it's been helpful, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah, down thirty-five pounds. So that's always good. Too. Oh wow, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, that's how Brilliant. it works. Uh, well, I appreciate your time, sir. Did you want to plug anything for yourself uh, at, coming up for you? I know you said you've been oh, shooting recently. Is anything on the horizon? I know for. Oh well, I've got. Uh, I'm saying it to a man who yeah. had four films released this year. So I know you're a busy man. <laughs> uh, but anything else uh, that you wish to plug? 
Oh, uh, well, no, I've just got a... Well, I did, I did a project at the end of the last year, immediately after uh, uh, shooting Rebecca. I came to Atlanta and uh, and shot a project for Blumhouse and Chris Landon. Uh, we shot a film called Freaky um, with uh, with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, which is out next month on Friday the 13th of November. Yeah, I saw but the trailer. Going, that looks awesome. It's hopefully going to theatrical. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that shows my range. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've come from, you know, very a quite a grand, uh, quite a grand period, real beauty film to, uh, well, hopefully still quite beautiful in its own way, but a, uh, a teen com- comedy horror, which, um, <laughs> so, you know, that's, and I love that, you know, having that breadth of stuff, I've always really enjoyed being able to, 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 to turn my hand to, um, to anything, you know, I don't specialise. Again, I think it comes back to that style idea is that there's no, I, I'm happy to adapt and I want to try everything and I'm, you know, I'm always learning and, and, and it's about the people. It's about the material and about the people and I want to work with just the, the best and loveliest people. So I'm, I'm very, I've been very lucky. Well, that's a great sentiment. I appreciate talking to you. Thank you for taking the time, Lori. No worries. Thank you, Andrew.